welcome to another edition of the Hour Football Podcast, episode 64. I'm Amelia Lopez. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, last week, we had a little video, quick video to kind of recap what was going on. We had some midweek games from Liga MX Femenil that we're definitely going to get into today and a bunch of other stuff. But before I do, let's go ahead and introduce my co-host, as always, Adriana Terrazas. Adriana, how are you? Give us a recap on how Adriana's skin is doing as of today. It's a lot better. I am itch-free, which is, I don't, we just take not being itchy for granted. It's like when you have a cold and you just take breathing for granted. We take not being itchy for granted. I just have to say that. You have to every single day give thanks that you don't have something that causes you to want to scratch like your entire body. So I'm just so happy because I, I, can, I can now like not worry about having to like scratch like my stomach and my back and my arms and everything's just almost entirely back to normal, which I'm so happy for. <laughs> I am very happy for you as well. It's true. I haven't, like I said before, I've never really had like skin rashes, so to speak, or anything. So I can't even imagine what you were feeling like. So it was like chicken pox, like, like worse than chicken pox, I think. I don't remember. I was really young when I had chicken pox, but it, I remember it was pretty bad. And this kind of reminded me of that, just wanting to scratch away like all the time and try and not want to at the same time because, you know, it's going to get worse. Um, so yeah, if anyone's had chicken pox, it's kind of like that, except now you're adult and yeah, now you like when you're a kid, it's like, ah, you can scratch and you're like, just, I don't know, trying to avoid your parents watching you scratch. And now it's like, oh no, I really shouldn't scratch because I know it's going to get worse. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm so happy. It's almost entirely gone by now. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear it. And hopefully, um, the culprit that was in, that was responsible for this will be eliminated soon enough and you can go back to having your clear your clear skin and your non-itchy skin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, like I said, tons of stuff to talk about today. Uh, of course, talking about the Liga Max Femenil, uh, looking at week six and week seven, looking forward to week eight that just started uh, yesterday. So definitely some things to already talk about there. Finally have national team news. And as always, it's just a complete mess. So really looking forward to talking to Adriana about that. Give you a little bit of Mexicans Abroad MLS edition with what's going on with Chicharito. And of course, as always, ending it by giving throwing the men's um, a bone for the Liga Mex men's side and talking about a little bit about the Clásicos coming up. But Adriana, just to kick started, um, I know we were able to do a fun little video last week, which is really cool to do. Um, to just look forward to the these games for week six and week seven. But now that they've come and gone, um, bigger biggest standouts from those two jornadas that just kind of just went right by us. I can't believe that every jornada just had like a two ga- like a two day break. <laughs> I know we had like like something happened. like we had the games every single day. It was like when when the Spanish league started off again and it was the Premier League and then the champions and we just had like games every day. I kind of felt like that at one point. I was like, losing track and since Liga Femenil is like a couple of weeks behind the men's side we had like games every single day so I was starting to confuse like the games I, I wasn't really sure if they were going for the men's side or for the women's side so I was like oh we have like classical like like Chivas America and I was like wait men's side women's side I was like okay no that's the men and who are the women playing oh they're playing Pumas oh that's why okay I don't know I started getting confused when that started happening um but yeah I mean so many interesting results I mean talking about Chivas doing so well in the league. I mean, I'm just amazed at how well they've been doing. Um, we've talked about this several times, how they have a pretty decent calendar, like from here on that, like all, all the way through, almost through November. And then they have a couple of really tough games to end off the season. But again, Chivas just doing so, so well. 
And then um, I particularly want to um, mention Cruz Azul, which is such a weird case. I mean, because they've so been playing weird. so well. It was like, oh, my God, they're, they're like, this is another Cruz Azul. What, what are they doing? And they're like really playing really well. Um, they almost beat Monterrey. They, they lost two to one after being 2 zero. They came back with a goal two to one um, at home. And then they were winning against Tigres for 87 minutes. I, I was looking at that. I was like, oh, my God. God, they're gonna make, they're gonna do it. They're gonna beat Tigres for the first time ever. Um, and then Stephanie Mayor, of course, had to had to get that goal and, and uh, get the draw for Tigres. But still, I mean, I was like, wow, Cruz Azul was like one goal away from beating Tigres, um, one goal away from tying against Rayada. Like, like who are these people, right? Um, then they lost to Chivas, which was, I mean, it, again, it was a two-zero. It's not too bad if we, we remember how Cruz Azul started off the league. I mean, they they were just one of those teams that were bottom of the standings, like getting tons of goals all the time. So I was really eager to see what Cruz Azul was up to. And then I don't know what happened. I mean, it's just one of those really weird things. They lost against Necaxa. And this is the team that is aspiring to win three games this season. If they do that, it will be their best season yet. Three games, that's it. And they and then Necaxa came over and, and beat Cruz Azul. I have no idea... Um, I mean, I don't distraction overconfident. I have no it idea. Was it was definitely, it felt like it's, I was going back and forth watching this match um, on, you know, when it, when it took place. And it did feel a lot like just Cruz Azul butchering it. Not to take away anything from the Cox. I think that final, uh, that second goal was really just them like pushing through and, you know, getting that second goal. Um, but a lot of it was a lot of errors from Cruz Azul, too. I mean, they even went and lost against San Luis. The next game and that one was a lot of errors from their part as well yeah i agree i mean they did have those mistakes as well against tigas and rayadas but at least they got the goal so i mean it kind of made up for it but yeah against necaxa i mean you would expect yeah mistakes but i mean still you would have guessed that against necaxa with all due respect to necaxa even with tons of mistakes you would have done a lot better than necaxa you would have beat them anyway so oh, yeah. it, it was kind of weird. I do think they were overconfident. I mean, it, again, it's just one of the things you have to work on as a team. Make sure that whatever results you get, you go against whatever rival is coming and disregard their negative record and make sure you play really well because it, it was also a home game for Cruz Azul, so they had that advantage as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it was kind of weird. I was expecting um, Cruz Azul to do a lot better. And since they lost that game as well, I mean, they're like like bottom four um, out of the league. So... It's not exactly what you would expect Cruz Azul at this point, seeing as though they, they had played really well. Um, but yeah, but it comes down to the, how many points and goals. So it's it's still not enough to actually make them um, Liguilla contenders. Yeah, for me, one of the, like you said, Cruz Azul kind of came up and then sort of came down. But for me, one of the biggest takeaways from these past two Jornadas is the fact that Cholos just stays down, has just continued to stay down. We saw a cool glimpse of a Rene Cuellar goal um, you know, this, these past Jornadas, but I mean, seven games played, zero games won, you know, what's going on here? Oh, it's it's so sad. I mean, when, when when you look at Cholas, I mean, it's just one of those teams like Pachuca that you wish would, would win something already because, of, I don't know, all, all, the, all the support they've gotten from the club. You look at Pachuca, they have their own facilities for the women's side. Um, they have really good national team players. They have an entire structure that, and, I mean, all those all those things you want really want them to, to to win something just because they've put so much effort in, in supporting the project of, of having a women's team and then you look over at, at Sholas and 
it's just so difficult to see how they like they broke up the entire team like uh, in the preseason. Um, I mean, you can't depend on Rene Cuellar doing well because, I mean, she can only do so far. I mean, you, you, you can't carry the rest of the team. Um, they lost so many players. I mean, you had Esmeralda Verdugo, you had Lucero Cuevas, you had Jocelyn Orejelif. So it, it kind of makes you wonder why a club that had a team even before the league existed would, I mean, not throw everything to the garbage, but it, it does seem that way. It, it seems like you, you took two steps back instead of one step forward. Um, with having all those changes in the preseason, uh, Frankie Oviedo, um, he mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he, he was willing to just, just quit if, if, if he was a problem. And then this week he comes forward and says, I'm just tired of and, and sick of telling the players what to do and not, and not having them listen. So you can kind of tell that that relationship is really broken at this Going point. Going great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really optimistic. Um, so, so now when you think of that, you're like, oh my God, if it was bad before, it's going to be even worse now because that relationship really seems as though it's not going anywhere. Like it's not positive at all. So and yeah, it's really sad for Cholos. Even there, even when you have a chance to watch them play, it just feels so disconnected. It just, it doesn't feel, it feels like there is a sense of fight. Um, but then they get like that first goal scored on them or just that second goal scored on them. You know, they have a goal differential of negative 15, 19 goals scored and four um, against and four in favor. And it's just, it's hard to watch because you can't imagine that this team made it to their first playoff, you know, sometime last year under Carla Rossi. And now like this is where they're at with, you know, a, a polarizing coach and one that hasn't even gotten fired yet either. I mean, we were just talking about this before we started recording, you know, Toluca let go of their, of their coach. Leon Feminine just announced that they got rid of their coach and they're not even doing as bad as Cholos. And yet we still haven't seen a change yet. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I get it. It's just so, so difficult. And I mean, when you look at Cholos, what, what place are they? They're, they're last. I mean, not even Necaxa, which, which is, Again, a team that has had zero support from the club is somewhere near what, what Cholos is doing. I mean, Santos is third to last. So, again, it, it, it just goes to show how important having club back you up as a project is. I mean, it could just as easy, you could have the good, you could have good players and still without that support, it just means that you're not going to have a really strong season. And it's really sad for Cholos. I mean, you remember Marbella Ibarra, you remember everything they did with, with Carla Rossi and yeah. it just, it's it's really sad to see them just throw all that support and all that infrastructure that they had in the beginning and just kind of throw it away because something happened club-wise. I'm, I'm sure that they just lost all these players and they weren't willing to make up for it and, and make sure that they had, a, a, again, a, a solid structure to cling on to this season despite having those changes with some players. I think as an institution, I know we're focusing on the feminine side, but I think if we kind of collectively look at the organization as a whole, things don't seem to be okay over there, you know, we just saw the Cholos men's side have like 89 positive cases and having to reschedule their games. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, the feminine side we're focusing on, of course, but it just seems like things aren't going. And I got interrupted, but it doesn't seem like things are going well over at the Cholos organization as a whole. Yeah, agreed. Again, these things, sadly, with, with, with the women's project, what happens is if the, if the men's side does poorly, something happens, you get lots of players testing positive, usually it's the women's side that gets most affected. If they get a cold, the women's team gets pneumonia. It, it's usually that way. I mean, we saw it during the preseason, how many clubs were affected because 
um, of all these financial problems that they got because we didn't have any games last season. We had all, like the entire, well, like, like half of the season canceled. So you had no TV, no, no rights. Um, I mean, not, not selling anything to sponsors, no, no ticket sales, no anything. And we saw so many teams cut off so many players be, as a consequence of that. So yeah, I, again, if, if we see some trouble um, with the men's side, it's really probable that we'll see some consequence for the women's side when that happens. Yeah, which is tough. It's tough. And I can only hope that in some way, uh, honestly, at this point, I, I kind of just want to see that announcement. You know, I, it's not something that we enjoy seeing, even even on the men's side, just, you know, kind of turning things around, especially during COVID. Um, but it does feel like a change needs to happen in some capacity over there. And I only hope that it happens sooner rather than later, because they might go on an, on, you know, on a losing streak that nobody wants to see um, for any team, really. I think we, I think we aspire for parity a lot more often um, in this league. And it would just, it'd be a shame, like we're saying, for Cholos to not, to not have a single win this season. That wouldn't be good. But to move on to, you know, the teams that are doing well, um, one of the biggest surprises for me has definitely been Pumas, um, a 4-1 win over Pachuca. Um, and then they have a game uh, this week against uh, Tigres, which should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, Pumas, it's so weird with Pumas because I do think... Um, I was invited to a podcast this this week, and I said the biggest obstacle Pumas has is themselves, because I do think they have a pretty decent squad. I mean, not not a, not a top four squad, but yeah, but definitely a squad that could make Liguilla. And it just oh, yeah. seems sometimes they just they kind of stick to what they know, and I don't see them evolving as a team. I mean, they have the players to do so, but it sometimes seems as though they get into a comfortable position, and that's where they sit. So they depend on other teams doing poorly in order to just just grow a little bit more or gain some spots in, in the standings. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's because um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Miranda Davila is, is comfortable with what she's asked for the players. Maybe it's because if it's kind of working, don't 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 change anything. Just stay stick with it. But yeah, I, I think if they just improved a little bit more in the season, I'm pretty sure they could be like a top team and make it through the year comfortably but again it just seems as though sometimes they're just like staying with what they know and, and I think that's the biggest risk for, for, for Pumas at this at this moment I also think they could have tied it up against Chivas this past weekend I think like you're saying they they kind of ruined it for themselves there were definitely especially a close chance um towards the end of the match there in that in that game where it just kind of went, I forgot which player it was, but it just like went right through her legs and she was, you know, the ball had already passed Blanca Felix and at that point she just kind of had to tap it in or just throw her body to just ricochet the ball into the goal and she just completely missed it. So I think that's a perfect example of what you're talking about. It just like, it feels like they're kind of making it difficult for themselves. Um, but as of right now, I definitely agree. It's a, it's a team that's moving on to the league and at this point they, can, they should just kind of keep trying to polish up those little cracks that they have in their in their um in their in that ah, i can't talk in like just like their performances and i think once they hopefully once they hit, hit the league yeah they're really you know mindset is a little bit stronger a little bit more ready a little bit more fight into them to get those necessary goals um to hopefully advance further on but adiana um more matches to look forward to um for this week Okay, wait, I'm looking at the calendar right Okay, so we had um, Atletico San Luis beat Cruz Azul. Again, another result that was 
not expected. I mean, despite the fact that, that Cruz Azul lost against Necaxa, I thought they were going to win against Atletico de San Luis. They were just going to come back from that, that loss and show the, like other teams that, hey, I mean, yeah, we lost that game. It was really unexpected. And now we're just back to what we were doing well. And they didn't. They lost 3-1 against Atletico de San Luis. And in the, another really surprising result, Rayadas beat Necaxa only 1-0. I mean, again, no disrespect to Necaxa, but we were all expecting that to be like a 3-0 loss at least. I, I mean, again, if you just look at the squad that Rayada has and you're like, take your pick on who you want to score because they have such an amazing team. I mean, just all over, amazing defense. They got Alejandra Godinez in the preseason for, for goalkeeping position. I mean, it's just such a, a strong team. And yeah, Desire scored. I mean, good, good for her. But I mean, we've talked about how much Rayadas is now... I mean, they have such a diverse, like, entire, like, anyone can score. I mean, it's not only Desiree, which might have been a problem in previous seasons because of how much they depended on her. Now you just have so many players. Christina Bergero, we, we've spoken about how well she's doing and how well she's adapting to, to Liga Max. Um, just scoring, I think she has, like, five goals at this point or six. I'm not, I'm not even sure right at this point. Um, she, has but Desiree gets, she has seven? She has seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay, she has like one per game now. Okay. <laughs> so that's why we gave you a chance. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, another surprising result. And for the rest of the week, I mean, pretty interesting matches. We have um, America first base, uh, is going to face Mazatlan. Uh, America having kind of like a weird season, America. I mean, they're doing okay, but you would kind of expect them to be doing a little bit better, I think. There was, uh, there was a game against, I think it was San Luis, which they yeah. were at some point and they were kind of struggling so something you it's not really um something you see often with america so let's see how they do against mazatlan and again another opportunity for us to see those amazing mazatlan jerseys um tigres versus pumas really difficult um, visit for pumas but again i mean they could take advantage of tigres um not having the support of like fans or changing their schedule a lot because they were used to playing on monday nights with fans in the stadium now they're just playing in their in the club facilities which kind of sucks um, but hey, that's that's what we're getting this season for everyone. <laughs> and let's see, Chivas versus Querétaro. Let's see if Carla Rossi could surprise Chivas. That, that's going to be an interesting one as well. And we also have Leon Atlas, which is I kind of feel for Atlas because I, I again, it's one of those teams that were constantly doing pretty well. It was one of those teams that was kind of like a dark horse. They could actually just beat Monterrey and Tigres and it would be surprising but then on the other hand you'd be like no I mean they do have a really solid squad I mean they could do this um again Atlas being one of those teams that were constantly seeing qualifying sixth or seventh place being the Liguilla uh not being entirely lucky because they usually face one of the the Regios um in, in the Liguilla and they get eliminated at, at that point but again Atlas being one of those teams that kind of surprises us and against Leon which will have a new coach Leon announced um that the coach will be changing positions and will be now in charge of the youth development squads in the, in the club for the men's side. So kind of sucks because again, I mean, you kind of want to have that continuity when it comes to coaches, coaches in, in the women's league. Yeah. And for all of us here in the U S um, America versus Mazatlan, Tigres versus uh, Pumas, Juarez versus Toluca will all be available on TUDN. America versus Mazatlan, like Adriana said, will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Tigres versus Pumas will be at 7.30 on Sunday. <laughs> um, so uh, sorry about that. Pacific, <laughs> Pacific, 
Pacific Standard Time, and then we have Juarez versus Toluca on Monday at 9 a.m. Um, Chivas versus Querétaro, I believe, for Monday will be on Telemundo, so you guys can definitely check it out there. Um, for me, I agree, um, before we close out this Liga MX Femini talk, for me, I agree, I think America long-term, you worry. Like, if you're, you're, if you're looking past regular season and you're looking to Liga, it doesn't feel like this America can close out like a game that is that important. And that's the worrying part because they struggle. Um, not to take anything away from San Luis because, I mean, like I keep saying, I have no idea what's going what's gonna to become of San Luis. I really don't. But they are scoring some really, really good goals. And it's really impressive to watch them. But when you think about America and just like the way that they get sometimes, like there's like there's like bad marking or failed to properly clear the ball out of their own, you know, their own box. It's that that little those little things um, that worry me moving forward. Um, but yeah, definitely good games to look forward to. Um, Querétaro might very well challenge Chivas, so we'll definitely see that. León is worrying me. I really hope they make it to the playoffs. I'd be really sad if they didn't, but. We'll definitely see. And Atlas hasn't con- has con- yeah. yeah, kind of struggling. Yeah, so definitely uh, stuff to look forward to there. And of course, keep, just keep up with the content. Um, you know, look for the hashtag Ligamex F-E-M-E-N-G and uh, Ligamex Feminil because in English and Spanish, it's always fun. I think I think the memes and everything is just getting stronger. I'm really enjoying the back and forth um, <laughs> from like the Ligamex Feminil just like world. It's it's getting really cool to see what everybody's talking about. <laughs> and and I mean, they did an amazing job on social media. I was looking at this post. Um, I'm trying to remember who it is that kind of analyzes and gives like rankings for social media accounts for for women's soccer and men's soccer and everything. And I I think um, last month they had the probably the top ten teams in the world with most interactions on. I don't know if it was Twitter or Facebook or both or just. Oh yeah, know. yeah. It was Twitter. It, it was, yeah, it it was Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. So I think it was like America, Chivas, Tigres, Rayas. I mean, there was like like five teams on there from Liga MX Femenina. So that was pretty cool. I think it was. I think it was more. I think like half of, or I think what was it like four out of the five, four out of the top five were Liga MX Femenina, and then I think twelve out of the twenty were Liga MX Femenina yeah. teams. So yeah, it was pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah, they did a really cool job. I mean, I think it, this is one of the things when when you try to look at the glass half full. I mean. Part of the things that we've kind of learned um, with the pandemic and not having media have like access to trainings and, and practices and stuff is uh, we're depending so much on the club social media teams to actually give us that like behind the scenes look. So now that it's not only that they give us the press conferences and everyone has to log on to like Zoom or Skype or, or something to join, but we're also getting like all those behind the scenes clips, um, trying to get to know the players like on the field, off the field, like really, I don't know, like like random things but it, it kind of gets you closer to the team it gets you get to know the players you see them well, they're just being like goofing around in locker rooms and singing and you, so you get to know who who gets along with who um so stuff like that so that's that's kind of one of the cool things that many clubs have understood that they have to do that because since media don't have access to, to practices anymore um you kind of have to give that for the fans you, it helps media also like like know what the clubs are up to so, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of grateful that some of them understood that necessity and are really going forward with it. And kind of lining up with that, um, America's English account just celebrated hitting 100,000 followers, which is more than any of the other um, Mexican teams' English accounts and even the national team's English account. I think there, there are like 30,000 30, plus more than the national team, which is huge. Wow. 
But when they one thing that is kind of talking about what you're um, kind of going off of what you're saying is that they included Ochoa speaking in English, by the way. Thanks, Ochoa, um, which is really cool to see. Um, but they also included Marlene Campa, and she speaks perfect English. And it's just like just that integration um, to just to give props to America is is huge. And I know that a lot of different teams do that, even though they have separate accounts. Um, I know we give a lot of flack to Pumas for not having it. But it, when it's, like, something that monumental and you include both of them, like, you just help, you know, you help you're, you help yourself with that interaction and that engagement. Um, so, so, like, you're saying, Adrian, you know, it in this time, it's crucial to try to have that connection as much as possible with your fans. And I think that, in particular, really helps, you know, potential U.S. fans who are like, oh, my God, this, you know, this female player – um, speaks super good English. Who is she? Oh, the team's doing really well. I know we just kind of dragged them right now, but you know they're in the top, they're in the top eight, and they're you know they have a pretty good consistent winning record. That automatically just will get you more fans. Um, you know, from, just yeah, from that. Yeah, it's it's tons of work now. I mean, because they start off with one account. You have like the America account. Now you have America account. You have the women's account, and then you have the English account. So. I mean, again, I appreciate that because it, it just allows us to have so much more access to players and just diversifies your audience so much. And it, it just shows you're backing that up. You're backing that up. And, and that's a great way to get fans just closer to the league, closer to the players. Yeah. You know what else also helps? If you listen, if you listen to um, podcasts that are dedicated to Liam and Max Femini in English, I've too. I've heard that it helps. Yeah, I've heard that it helps as well. I heard. <laughs> that is amazing. I think there's only like one in existence that's dedicated to it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, moving on, Adriana, um, from the Liga Max Feminine, to my absolute favorite topic to talk about. No, not really. Yes, kind of really. Liga Max Feminine is definitely up there, but, you know, moving on. We finally have Mexican national team news. Like, actually, just there's a game, there's a roster, there's mess, as always, involved. So here's where we're at, in case you've been living under a rock. The Mexican national team announced that there would be an upcoming friendly on September 30th. Then they announced that it was Costa Rica. Time passed, time passed. They were still trying to get, you know, their camp fixed, you know, just like the bubble that the Mexican soccer show guys have been talking about. Adriana's been on those pods too. Um, got everybody over to the bubble that was going to be participating in this game. Then I don't know, what was it, like Tuesday, yesterday? I don't even know, just like from one one to the next. Costa Rica is like, JK guys, we can't play. So then that's canceled. But this is the part that gets that, that's just amazing. So that's canceled. Then they tweet out like five minutes later, don't worry, our next opponent will be announced. So now I'm stuck at asking the same question I've been asking this entire time. Did they have a plan B or did they just pull this out of thin air? Because now we have, so Costa Rica said no, no thank you. And now Mexico will be facing Guatemala on September 30th. How? Why? <laughs> what's going on? I think they're desperate to have some national team activity this year. I mean, they can't end off the year without having any activity, but it's just getting so complicated to organize anything at this point. I mean, it's not their fault. It's not anybody's fault. But, I mean, it just seems as though they, they knew that, that something was going to go on with Costa Rica. The thing was, it's not. it wasn't even the Federation saying they didn't want to play. It was the government saying... If these players go out, they're going to have to come back. They're going to have to be quarantined. And then the clubs weren't they weren't obviously happy with that because that means they weren't going to be able to play with their clubs any, uh, when they came back. So, 
I mean, I understand the, the necessity, the obligation to have national team activity because you have the Gold Cup next year and you have to, have to start looking into qualifiers. And again, I mean, it's, it's a business and you already missed out on so much uh, activity. I mean, we've heard all these uh, all these reports saying that they had to cut off salaries, I think it was for three months for Tata Martino and all his, all, all, all the squad. I mean, so, I, I mean, I understand that, but it's it sometimes it's like, oh my, I, I don't know if it's, if it's worth it, I mean, not be, not not in a sports way, but if it's worth all that the risk of having players travel, of having them come, come down and, and, and play at the Azteca. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a lot easier for the national for the for the Mexican players because there's only going to be Liga Max players for this friendly. But then we have the friendlies coming up in October. We're going to go play the Netherlands in Amsterdam. Um, not quite sure how that's going to happen because I do I do know that. Um, that the Dutch government is helping out with the embassy and stuff like that. But again, you have players travel, you have to be careful. Um, they're going to have to come back, get tested before they go back to their clubs because you don't want to risk anything happening there. Um, it's, it's really complicated. I mean, I, I, it got to a point where I was thinking the easiest thing would be to call up the national team and have them play somehow against Liga MX teams, like have like a Tigres versus Mexican national team game. <laughs> and the, and just, I don't know, have that because it, it's getting so complicated and it's risky. I mean, fortunately, Guatemala said, yeah, they're going to play. But it, it, again, I mean, I would understand totally if something happened and they couldn't make it because, again, these circumstances are, are terrible. I mean, we're talking about a second wave of COVID coming through. Mexico's not even through with the first wave. I mean, we're, we're, we're not there, people. We're still in like, like terrible cases, just climbing entirely. Um, so, again, we just talked about Cholos getting 30-plus um, people in the club testing positive. We've had games being switched. So it's just so complicated. My thing is, and I was talking to you before we started recording, my thing is, because we obviously kind of get news before it actually breaks. Like, hey, there's, or like you guys were even talking about on the pod on Monday, you know, hey, there's talks that it might happen, it might not happen. But it's like, it's not like this is March, where we're still trying to figure out what this is, how everything works. It's like, there had to be a call at some point between Mexico's Federation and Costa Rica's Federation where it's like, hey, guys, you want to set up a friendly? Cool. What are the parameters? Well, you guys are either going to travel here. We'll travel over there. And then, you know, obviously you'll have to be quarantined for 14 days. Like, it's just what happens for the MLS's back tournament. And they weren't even going to other countries when they would come home. They still had to quarantine or they would have to quarantine in the hospital. I mean, in the hotel before they went home. So it's like when this all started getting canceled last minute, because we're five days away at this point from the game, how, is, how are these things a surprise? How is this a surprise to the clubs involved? Because I know like it's not just a, I know it's not just a, a Mexico friendly involved thing. You know, I heard that, you know, Costa Rican clubs or sorry, not Costa Rican, South American clubs right now are like kind of having issues with MLS because MLS doesn't want to let go of some of their players because of this like 14 day quarantine. But at this point, how is that? How are these things a surprise? It feels like if there's like three things we should know about this is we have to wear a mask, we have to wash our hands. Oh, and by the way, if you're gonna travel outside of wherever you live, you're gonna be quarantined for 14 days. So that's the part that I'm just not processing as became like such a red flag or is becoming such a red flag for like opposing teams. Like I would feel like at this point, if Mexico has to go somewhere, and the clubs have to give up their players. The clubs re do realize that when they come back, they're going to have to be quarantined for 14 days. So that's the part that I just, 
am so kind of annoyed by, I guess, just from like a common sense aspect. Like, of course, it is a business and you do have obligations. You have to attend the, you know, the show must go on. But it's that part that I'm just like, how is this? How did this get lost by the government, by the clubs and all of that? That just doesn't make any sense. And if that's what was stopping Costa Rica from fully agreeing to the friendly, does that mean that Guatemala is just kind of being lenient on their restrictions? And what's that mean for like everybody that's going to be involved in these friendlies? Yeah, agreed. I mean, again, it's it's. I understand the necessity because again, we're coming from not having an entire season last semester. So many clubs. I mean, they spoke about this. They had to cut off salaries from lots of players just to make sure that the rest of the staff that works at the club could could get paid because you didn't have games on television, you didn't have sponsors come in, you didn't have ticket sales, you didn't have jersey sales. Um, so, I, I mean, I understand that sometimes. I just think it's so risky. I mean, when, when we, I remember um, Nahuel Guzman, when he was he tested positive, I think they tested him every the other day. The first or the Yeah. <laughs> but, they, I mean, they tested him, I mean, literally, like every other day just so that so he could be available to play as soon as possible, and okay, what despite the fact that yeah he, he was only going to play when he whenever he wasn't going to like be contagious anymore, it still seems as though we're we're risking so much. I mean, it got to a point where he played after testing positive, but they had to come forward and say yes, he tested positive, but that's because he has antibodies, but he's not contagious. And I was like, oh my god, we're reaching a point where we're actually excusing ourselves or excusing like the decision of the club to make a player be available. I, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just a, such a thin line um, between not like just making sure the player's okay. I mean, we, I mean, I remember Chivas players, I think it was Fernando Beltran when he came back from, from testing from COVID and everything, he was actually saying, I'm having trouble breathing during games. And I was like, wow. I mean, we're having players have trouble breathing during games when they come back. I mean, we still don't know how, many consequences this could have in the long run. Hopefully they won't have any, but I, I mean, again, um, these are like like athletes that train every single day and, and they know their bodies so, so well. And they're saying this and we're, we're still risking them and we're, they're still playing. It just seems as though it's, it's such a thin line between making sure the show does go on and not, make, not entirely sure if we're risking too much at the same time. Oh, 100%. And I think that that's the hard part I, I, you know, I live here in the U.S. and, you know, like you're saying, Mexico hasn't really ever gotten over the first wave, you know, and I think that that's the hard part for our countries is that it doesn't seem like it's being like we're at this point, we're just kind of living with it. We're, we're seeing yeah. the statistics, we're seeing, you know, all the deaths that have been involved in this virus and we're just kind of accepting it as that's what it is, you know, like you know, we're just, oh, by the way, this new team got, you know, positive test for COVID. By the way, this happened. And it's just, yeah, just letting it continue on um, without really realizing the effects of it. I mean, we're talking about Bertran, but I, going back to the women's side, um, Ovayed, you know, came out and tested positive. And I said that I said this in another pod. I don't feel like her, like she's also been at her hundred percent. I feel like it might've, it might've affected her in some way as well. So I think that's, that's the hard part of this. Like you're saying, it is that very, you know, gray area of like, is this all okay? Or what's, why are we doing this? At what point do we kind of understand, do we kind of just start saying, okay, maybe we should take a, maybe we should take like a deep breath and just look at the bigger picture, you know? Cause I think even people were, uh, um, 
somebody put on the timeline today on Twitter, like, at this point in international soccer, do we even think about kind of postponing the World Cup? Because some teams and some nations are going to have are going to have advantages over others because of this because of these constant obstacles of how to effectively practice or get ready for qualifiers or get ready for friendlies um, at a capacity that like other nations have you know Europe is already <laughs> training they're already getting ready and here in North America and Central America we're still having problems but we can't yeah maintain- we're, we're postponing so many tournaments I mean Nations League is postponed CONCACAF Champions League is postponed um yeah. I, I, Infantino had a press conference last week in the FIFA Congress and just said, we know the World Cup, the World Club Cup, yeah, is that right? Yeah, the Club World Cup um, is not going to take place as planned because teams haven't been able to just go back to regular seasons and we just don't have the teams ready for it anymore. So it is, I mean, this is where, where we're all kind of thankful that the World Cup will take place in winter. I mean, amazingly enough, we are thankful that we're going to have like like three more extra months to get ready for the World Cup because of this. But, I mean, what happens if we're not ready come March, mid-March, when we're supposed to be playing not only friendlies, but qualifiers as well, when we're supposed to be done with other tournaments or just about to be done? What happens if we're not at that point there? Do we Again, do, that's a really valid question. Do we start looking into postponing the World Cup? I mean, I'm pretty sure it's going to take place. But what happens when, when all these teams that have, like, really, like, big status, like like with, with FIFA. What happens if the U.S. can't play players, which they won't, by the way. The U.S. is not having any, it's not going to have any friendlies in, in October. What happens if they can't play? What happens if Mexico can't play? What happens if, if countries in South America can't play? Because, again, I mean, today there was also this, this um, information coming in from MLS that they don't want to loan players to, to the national teams in South America. So everything's just, it's like, like a giant snowball coming in because so everyone's having trouble just getting their regular season started or just continuing. But we have to start thinking about national teams, other tournaments. And again, it's, it's not as though we have like one FIFA tournament. So, amazingly enough, I think we have like more FIFA tournaments now than ever. So they're just, I know it, it's, it's, it's getting so complicated as a calendar internationally to even think about having all those tournaments take place as we thought they were going to be. Yeah, I mean, and just to look at it back to Mexican soccer, you know, there were Cholos players involved, or that were that were expected to be involved in Tata Martino's mini camp that he had, you know, earlier this week, and that couldn't be involved because then Cholos had an outbreak. So you have to adjust there, and you know, then you and it's like, well, technically this isn't the the way that you wanted it to go because you have to adjust, and it just feels like we're gonna just keep adjusting. It's not fully gonna be what you expect it to be because of the way that certain places are handling it, certain places are managing it. Um, that is tiring. I mean, I mean, I say this knowing that I wouldn't know what to do if I was in these positions. You know, I, I can't, like, we talk about it objectively in the manner that we have the information. I um, mean, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to look at, um, you, know, you know, just from the outside. So I can't even imagine internally what they have to face. So, I mean... In other news, Mexico will be facing Guatemala September 30th on Tudén. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but there, a game will still be played, and we'll, we'll yeah. just, you know, we'll see how it goes. Mexican soccer will be, Mexican national team soccer will be back. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, yeah. wish them the best. I hope it's a good game. I hope it distracts people from everyday things we have to deal with still, and I just hope that they come back and be healthy. <laughs> Yeah, that's the and that's the tough part. I mean, if we 
I'm sure that that was the Costa Rican government's worry, but if Guatemalan players go back and all of a sudden we've, you know, we've caught, there's been a direct correlation between these friendlies and them going back and testing positive, that will not look good at all. So we'll definitely, we'll see what goes on. But Adriana, any other last thoughts about the national team? I mean, who are you excited to look forward to from the game players? <laughs> um, for this game, oh, by the way, we're, we're facing Algeria um, as well. They just announced that today. It was Some said it was going to be maybe Qatar, maybe New Zealand. I think the second game um, in, in Europe is going to be against Algeria. So oh. I don't know. We're, we're still, yeah, we're still moving that around. Kind of weird. Um, players I want to see, I mean... Um, it's such a weird squad because again, we're only there's only Liga Mix players. I do think it'll be interesting to see what a, a Chaquito can do, Santiago Jimenez can do. Um, not quite sure if I mean we, we we spoke about this in in the Mexican soccer show how easy it is it has become to be a national team player and how much damage that can do to actually aspire to be a national team player because. I mean, it, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be something that you really struggle every single call up for. It's supposed to be something that only the elite players get called up for. And now, I mean, yeah, some of these players, they, they might be national team material, um, but it just seems as though some of them, they, they got it so easy. I mean, not that, again, not that they're not talented. I mean, I totally see Santiago Jimenez being national team material, but probably not senior national team material right now. I would kind of see him try to look forward to like to, for the Olympic squad, something like that. So um, I, I want to see if the talent is there, like for in the long run. So I don't really worry about how we're going to do this game, because again, they're not going to be together that long for, for us to actually see like an entire unit of a team just work really well together. Um, but yet yeah, start to look into players that could be called up in the future and start making their way. Um, for that generational change to take place for the Mexican national team. I mean, we're now thinking about seeing the, the, the Cordovas. Fernando Beltran was, I think he was cut from, for, the, for the game against Guatemala. Um, but you start, you kind of start seeing all these new players come in and start to see that, that change. So occasionally, if we don't have Andres Guardado available, well, okay, you, you might have Beltran at some point. You might have Cordova. And, and so um, I, I'm starting to, I, I'd like to look into that not entirely of, of the team as a whole, because we know that this team, again, it's only League MX players. It's going to change whenever the, the players abroad are, are available. But yeah, start, just start looking into those players that could slowly make their way into the call-ups for more, um, like not, not, the, not the friendlies, but more the qualifiers. Yeah, I'm just, I, it'll be a distraction. I'll just see how it goes. I, I'm more, I'm really just, my mind is just more on, I have no idea how this happened. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I mean, if I get an Antuna goal, like of course I'll I'll be on tweet I'll be on Twitter tweeting about something. <laughs> um, but but yeah, just keep a lookout. Um, from what I know internally, obviously I work over at Flamex Nation and we do a lot of cool stuff for national team games. Um, there might be a cool little thing after the game potentially um, that you guys should definitely keep an eye on. So just letting you know, just give me a little teaser in case you're interested. But uh, moving on, speaking of uh, generational just changes um, pertaining and relevance to the Mexican national team, Chicharito, Adriana, just 
having a blast over at LA Galaxy. And I just kind of wanted to talk about this because I wanted to talk about this this with someone. And <laughs> I asked Asiana if we could talk about it a little bit on the pod. Um, currently is over 3, has been playing the last three games with LA Galaxy um, during their MLS restart and has also been coincidentally paralleled to when LA Galaxy has been losing their form. Now, another thing I also wanted to bring up is the fact that he has been very busy outside of practice, outside of games, um, within his gaming, you know, his Twitch channel, which I don't condone, I mean, I don't critique. We all have things that we do in our free time, so that's not an issue. What it seems to be going on as well is just, like, this, like, geo kind of similarities um today he had this little um kind of like ad sponsorship that he had on twitter um, a lot of fans aren't okay with it i mean I, I just kind of wanted to get your your perspective on you know just what what do you think is going on with chicharito ah uh, it's so difficult because i mean it's so easy to criticize players for just about anything when they're not performing up to par so I mean, we were all expecting Chicharito to kind of replace, well, not kind of, but everyone was expecting him to replace Zlatan in, in, at Galaxy. He got injured. Um, obviously, MLS couldn't take place after the first couple of games. Um, I mean, so many things have been, yeah, not, not his fault. I mean, obviously, getting injured is, is not something anyone had planned and such. But it's it's like when, 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 when Chivas players were... Um, when they were suspended for having a party and then posting it on social media and such. The thing is, you can do whatever you want during your free time. I mean, obviously, you're, everyone wants to be responsible. You want to stay indoors, you, et cetera, et cetera. But if, if you do have some people come over, if you do are doing something like that, you just want to stay away from making like a huge fuzz about it. I mean, if, I, if you want your family to come over, you just can. But you're not going to post an entire something that looks like a party on social media so people can criticize um, if you if you play poorly because oh you you're just playing that way because you're not entirely concentrated with the team um, you're losing focus you're thinking about something else you're partying so I think that the same thing comes down to when they have these these commercial responsibilities and it's not at the same time as, as when they're performing well you just kind of want to avoid making as much fuss about them as possible because you don't want people to think that that's what's distracting you from having your best performances on the field. So, I mean, sadly enough, this, again, this is something that's kind of off, it's not entirely his responsibility, I guess, because you, you, you gain these commercial responsibilities and you have to go and have this commercial and you have to have to like all these things on social media. The yeah. thing is, kind of have to, I mean, it, it goes with the territory. This is something that's going to happen if you're not performing well. I don't know if it's justified or not because you, only you can know as a player if you're actually practicing 100%, if you think it's a distraction for whatever you're doing with the team. Um, stuff like that but I mean yeah I mean people are going to criticize you because it does seem we, we can't guarantee it is but it does seem as though you're focused on doing other things rather than on making sure that you perform well on the field yeah I think it's one of those read the room situations right which again could be hard to do if you are this what I think it was like a Bud Light tweet, wasn't it, or like a seltzer, yeah. something like that, right? Which is hard if you're working with a, with somebody that big, right? Because at times, they also have really weird timelines where, hey, we're gonna create this and we're gonna do this, and can you, you know, can we? Let's figure out the copy. Let's do this and that, and then finally, like, okay, we're ready to post it, 
right? So it's there's that there's that background info that I'm sure everybody else that other people are also aware of. Or if you're not, that is kind of how it works. You know, you, we want to do this. We're pitching this to you. We film it. We edit it. Sometimes it takes longer than they're supposed to. And then you tweet it out at the wrong time, which is not your fault as a player. You're contractually obligated to be part of the sponsorship. Um, and that's just how it works. The thing is, is like, yeah, just like you're saying, Adriana, it's about what happens on the field next, which, again, is not entirely his fault. I think the Slatan to Chicharito comparison is in terms of big names. We went from Slatan. Who do, who do we get next? Who's going to be our next big name? They're two entirely different players, and I think we also talked about that, um, too, when he signed, right? There's going to be a different level of what they can do, but can he also match that goal-scoring ability that Slatan has? And I think we were all in agreement of yes to a certain point. Um, but as of right now, speaking of somebody who watches the games you know, pretty consistently, there, it's like you said, there is that effort aspect to it. There is that level of, like, what are you doing how are you doing it? You know, he he kind of looks frustrated, but it, it there's some times where you're watching the play and you're like, I don't understand why you're frustrated. If anything, your teammates should be more frustrated than you are. Um, and there's also maybe like that own that that own personal, like you said, that own personal expectation. How much can you really give? And are you adjusting your own style of play to kind of fix that up yourself? Because there always there does seem to be like this weird disconnect between him pavon legit that just it doesn't like always fit which again can't doesn't necessarily have to be his fault it could, la galaxy is not the best team in mls by a large margin um but that's the part that's frustrating is like and i and i say that knowing that there's mexican other mexican players on that team Efrain, you know alvarez is young but you see that kind of grit jonathan los santos has very much won the hearts of LA Galaxy fans because he's constantly putting in that effort. A, a different player in a different position, but he does have that respect from the fans in that capacity. Um, so it just, for me, it, it just ke- keeps coming up to, okay, you know, Chicharito, I get it. You have a lot of pressure on your shoulders. I don't know what you're like as a, you know, I don't know what you go through. I mean, maybe if I watched Naked Humans more consistently, I would. Um but it is. It's it's that hard It's that hard thing between humanizing them and then critiquing their work. But he, it, it's very very. It's treading a very thin line where it almost feels like you're kind of you're kind of bringing it upon yourself. This criticism. Yeah, and I was actually thinking if it's something that could actually like, what do the brand think about this when when this comes along? I mean, I can't imagine the brand being like, oh, no worries, just get that commercial out. It'll be okay. It's chicharito. And when you look at all the people responding on Twitter, I really th- it kind of backfires. I mean, not only for the player, but I think it also kind of I mean, no one really cares about the commercial. No one really like is is worried about whatever he's promoting or advertising. So I'm kind of thinking maybe it's like a, like a lose lose situation. Maybe even the brand uh, should look into hey, okay, let's let's get Chicharito, but we're not going to release that until it's someone. I mean, the people will actually care about what he's promoting because what's happening is everything's getting lost in the criticism against the player. So I don't know. I was kind of thinking about that, how it also impacts the brand as well, because obviously no one's, no one's talking about the brand. Everyone's talking about why is Chicharito doing a commercial, a beer commercial or something, but you, you can't even remember what, what the beer was about or something. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but again, um, everything, if, if he gets um, a lot better performances, which I think he's kind of obligated at this point, because you kind of hear Guillermo Barros Queloto 
slowly giving him a bit more pressure slash responsibility. That uh, you, you kind of see the press conferences, and he's kind of sending him like all these messages that, dude, you you have to start performing. Um, we were actually performing quite well when you weren't here, so even more so now. I mean, you 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 kind of have to catch up with all your teammates because we were doing pretty well without you. So it kind of brings the question: if if you're doing if you're well, if you're out of injuries, if we're actually going to put you if you're actually going to play because we're kind of showing that we don't need you. So I don't know. It's 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 problematic. It's not the best. Um, it's it's brought in so much so much conversation about uh, how the Mexicans are doing in, in the MLS. Sadly enough, Carlos Vela isn't playing with LAFC. Um, Pizarro also had a slight injury with Miami. Pulido was mysteriously away for like a month or so without no one really coming forward and saying this is what's wrong with Pulido. Um, the only things we we knew about Pulido were because he he posts lots of stuff in his Instagram Instagram stories. So. I don't know, we would just see him flying over to Chicago and back to, to Kansas City, and we had no idea why. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a weird situation right now for Mexicans in MLS because no one's really doing well at this point. And that's just something that we never expected to see happen. I mean, we were kind of used to having Vela do really well. We were really excited about Pizarro, about Pulido, um, Almeida. I mean, not Mexican, but again, Liga MX related, not doing well either with, with, with San Jose, Fierro, Alanis. So it's, it's kind of like a weird situation. It's not at all what we expected. No. Then again, it is 2020. I mean, for what it's worth, Vela had colored denim on the other day for LAFC, for LAFC match. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> that was kind of fun. And for what it's and for what it's worth, like you're saying, I, I don't think that anybody hopes for a negative outcome to this. You know, I think I think what Shadito was very like, this is where he's gonna end up going. Like I think you and I had talked about it maybe like you know a few months back when he was still with you know Sevilla. Like eventually, like he's going to leave, right? Like he's 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 heading out. Or, you know, he's out the door um, at some point. And and sure enough, it happened. You know, it wasn't like Gio. Like suddenly, it was just a complete decline. Um, but it, I would hope that, you know, it starts picking up. Yeah. Whether it's obligatory from, you know, the team, the coach, hopefully it picks up. Hopefully something starts clicking, um, because the narrative is not in his favor. They were doing really well. And all of a sudden he's starting to, he becomes part of the, he becomes part of the starting 11 or gets thrown in and you, you don't see anything from him. You see something from Jonah. You see something very different in the middle now that Jonah's back, but you're not seeing that that positive impact from Chicharito, um, which right now for me, I said it in my last tweet from this last loss that they had. For me, this is where LA Galaxy fans and, you know, everybody criticizing them, it feels slightly more valid than it did maybe like, you know, a month ago or two months ago. So definitely just, we'll see. I mean, it, the game this weekend will work in their favor. Um, let me make sure they're facing Seattle, right? Wanna, I think I have that yeah. right. Yeah, I, got I know. Big. I know Rudy Diaz won't be available for this game because of um, you know, something happening. Uh, I I don't have the exact. I think it was like a red card or something, some kind of violation. So that might work in their favor, and hopefully that works in his favor to possibly get a goal. Um, I know part of his advertisement tweet that he had said that if like he scored a goal and they won, there was like a Zoom celebration involved. So. There's a lot of pressure on him now. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff that could no. so easily backfire. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's just like the narrative's totally working against him, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, but moving on, Adriana, to close us out, as always, let's go ahead and throw um, the men a little bit of slack. Um, Classicos coming up this weekend. 
Yeah, we have um, such a weird thing to happen. I mean, we have three Clásicos in a row, actually four, um, because we have the Clásico Regio uh, coming up with, with Monterrey versus Tigres. Um, and then we have Cruz Azul versus America just a week after America have, facing Chivas and a week before having America Pumas. And everything everyone's been talking about is not um, entirely who's going to play, how many goals is Guignac going to score, um, stuff like that. It's, it's all, all been, will anyone dare to talk to, the, to someone from the rival team at the end of the game just after what happened during the America Chivas? Um, uh, match and just everything that just I hope they uh, do. You know what? Ignited. I hope they're hugging and like shaking hands before the match. <laughs> kidding. I I I can so I mean again this is just and something I want that, you know I'm sorry to interrupt you. I hope it's Salcedo yeah. too. I hope it's Salcedo. I just that 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 man is just always constantly causing ruckus. I hope it's him. I hope he just goes up to a Monterrey player and just gives him a big old hug. I'm just kidding. Okay, keep going. <laughs> It's just, I mean, I, the, the thing is, um, again, we, we talked about it in, in the Mexican soccer show, is how much more of a rivalry America Cruz Azul seems now than, than America Chivas. And it's something that probably doesn't worry America too much because they do have games, probably just, just about, like they have a rivalry probably against everyone at this point, and everyone wants to beat America, and everyone hates America. Um, but when you kind of lose um, that expectation against the team that, yeah, it's, it's the national classical, right? Um, but you kind of feel that the, as though the games against Cruz Azul have been a lot closer. Um, they, they've been a lot more intense. You've had two finals already pretty close to each other as well. Um, and then obviously against Pumas, it's, it's a lot more like an aggressive uh, rivalry, right? I mean, when, whenever you go to a Chivas America, uh, I mean, things can get pretty intense. But when you go to America, Pumas, it's like, dude, you really don't want it. Like, you, you want things to go as smoothly as possible because that's one game where things can get really violent. So I, I was I was talking about with the guys about this, just saying how how worried Chivas should be that people don't really see that much of a rivalry against America because Chivas has lost so much power as a club um, throughout so many seasons, ever since they were champions with 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 Almeida. They, they've kind of lost that intensity. You don't have this really key player that, like, a captain figure that's constantly uh, making sure the players don't go and say hello to the rival at the end of a game at the Estadio Azteca and, and, and after losing, right? Um, so I, I, I'd worry about that. I don't see it as much in Cruz Azul. I mean, you don't, I think you also don't have that key Cruz Azul figure. Maybe it could be Corona. Um, yeah, probably just Corona. Um, but still, I mean, you, you do see more of an intensity when you think about America Cruz Azul and America Pumas, which is kind of sad because you, you, you do want America Chivas to be, I, you want them to be fighting each other for first place or really close to each other. And you want that, you want them not to be violent, but you do want them to be aggressive and you want them to, to if whoever loses, you want them to be hurt. And we didn't see that in America Chivas. So I'm just, hoping to see what happens with America Cruz Azul because Cruz Azul is coming in a little slightly better off than, than America after last week. Um, I don't think they'll say hello to each other at the end of the game. If they do, it'll be in the locker room away from all the cameras. I think everyone learned their lesson at this point. But again, it starts to make you think um, how these clubs kind of are losing that identity. I mean, again, how many players from Chivas were actually born like, like in the youth system of Chivas? Not that many. So it kind of makes sense that some of them really don't understand how important it is not to go say hello to players from America at the end of a game, right? 
Cruz Azul, kind of the same thing. You don't have that many players in the youth system coming up. Um, I Pumas a little bit more. So I don't know. It, it just it brings in all this entire conversation about the identities of these clubs, how much, how well they're performing, and how that could impact the the rivalry that you kind of feel when these classicos come up. So as a note, because you know people do listen to our podcast, please, America players, do everything in the safety of the locker rooms. Don't let the cameras see it don't let anybody see it you know what just send a very vague text message to the opposing side after the game use your burner account dm them and let them know that you want to switch jerseys later (laughs) yeah exactly yeah just a little little bit more respect for the fans that actually are like like i don't know like clenching like like their their jerseys at the end or really furious if they lost or just really exhilarated if they won um yeah just kind of think about them just think about them Okay, um, but Adriana, any final thoughts? As always, just a lot of stuff to unpack for every pod. Um, any last things or thoughts before we we say goodbye? Um, no, I mean busy week. We have Clásicos again this week, two of them, and then we have the national team friendly next week, and then we have another call up for the Dutch friend with the, the the Dutch game um, coming up in October, and then another Clásico. It's just like a weird like three weeks. Um, but hopefully we won't have as many players test positive and yeah, we'll have good games despite all these things going on. Yes, hopefully. So a quick plug to our good friend Cesar Hernandez over at the Mexican soccer show. He did have a really cool Liga MX preview that he does, um, on a weekly basis with Mane Camelo from Campeonas de Mequis, um, on Tigres and just the games coming up. So I definitely recommend, um, listening to that. And I also want to give a quick shout out to a, uh, a guest that I've never invited on. I've never asked him to actually be part of it, but he's constantly part of it. Mr. Oliver Gael. Um, he turned five yesterday. So I have a five-year-old. I have, I have children that are no longer babies. All my kids are five plus. That's crazy. It's insane. (laughs) But his birthday was yesterday. So happy birthday to Oliver. Who's who's sitting right behind me. Thankfully. (laughs) What? A huge Hulk fan. Huge Hulk fan. Huge Hulk fan right now. Really into Hulk. He actually hit me this morning with his new Hulk gloves. So that was fun. I had a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, But thank you guys so much, as always, for listening to us. Don't forget to follow Adriana at Adriana Terrazas on all social media. I'm Amelia at at Azteca Amelia. Uh, Keep up with the content. Follow the hashtags. Hashtag LigamexFEMENG. LigamexENG. And remember, at the end of the day, it is our football. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.